2: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
3: The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The campaign moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters.
2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
4: This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
5: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Wednesday, August 17th. Special treat today, the one and only Tim Brando, longtime college football, college basketball announcing voice. You guys will know him. He's done some NFL. He's a big golfer, so we'll talk a little golf. I know we got some uh, golf listeners on the podcast, so we'll get into that. A lot of college football, though. Before I get to Tim, I just have to say, I don't want to fully go through it, and I'm only going to touch on this because it is football season, and we got some good Aaron Rodgers stuff coming up. That being said, the sensitivity from Kevin Durant, after yesterday's podcast. I, I've told you guys this. Like, I'm not going to tweet this stuff out because I'm not trying to like be that guy, but I'm just telling you, after yesterday's podcast, I was a little harsh on Durant. Some people said overly harsh. I tagged him when I posted it on Instagram stories. And, of course, he fires back instantly in very, very unhappy language that it's professional sports. They trade people and cut them all the time but I have to live by certain rules. He sends me this DM. And again, listen, Kevin Durant is a man of the people. He loves to engage on social media. And I'm like, dude, other than, you know, Charles Barkley demanding trades, and he was he's not even a top 10 player all time. We've never seen elite superstars of your caliber demand trades and jump around like this. And this is where Durant loses me. And I've been a Durant fan. I've been a Durant defender. I said great things about him. He's obviously an all-time great player. He says, LeBron James played on four different teams. And, I mean, I'm sitting there in my car driving to Fox yesterday morning. And I'm at like a stoplight. I know I shouldn't be on my phone. But when Kevin Durant's sending you DMs, at the stoplight, you're on your phone. And I'm sitting, LeBron, wait, you mean the guy who went to Miami won two titles, then goes back to Cleveland wins, then goes to the Lakers and wins that LeBron? Is that who you're talking about? And he says, Alex Rodriguez. I was like, wait, did I miss something? A Rod played for three teams in 20 years. He says, Ken Griffey Jr. I look up at Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. was, you know, played on three teams at like 38, 39 years old, a shell of himself, not in his prime. He says, Shaq, folks, the narrative on Shaq Kobe was not great at the end. Kobe said, trade Shaq or trade me, gave the Lakers an ultimatum. They went with the younger, better wing player. So the Lakers traded Shaq. After Shaq went to Miami, the Miami Heat said, we've had our fill of Shaq. He served his purpose. We won with Wade. Shaq, you're going to Phoenix. Then Phoenix traded Shaq. This isn't prime Shaq saying, I'm out of here every two years. This is Shaq getting shipped. There's no connection at all with what Kevin Durant's done. And then, you know, we get into this big back and forth, and uh, he says, (laughs) I don't mind admitting he said this, it's the dweebs like you who are obsessed with me. You want to speak for sports fans when they don't even look like you. Or, I'm sorry, they don't even like you. LOL. And I, I'm like, okay, fair enough, Kevin Durant. Sports fans don't like me. You have 5 million followers on Instagram. Everybody likes you. I'm sure they do, KD. All right, I've had enough of Kevin Durant. I quickly need to talk about Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, made some comments on Tuesday that. Are going to be everywhere. I'll be talking about them, I'm certain, on the herd today with Colin. Aaron Rodgers, unhappy after practice, said the young guys, especially the young receivers, we got to be way more consistent. A lot of drops, a lot of bad route decisions, running the wrong route. We got to get better in that area. No, he's not talking about like Lazard and Cobb and Watkins. He's talking about the young guys. Who are the young guys, you ask? Fourth round draft pick out of Nevada, Romeo Dubs. That, my friends, is who Aaron Rodgers is upset with. A fourth-round pick out of Nevada. Like, really? Like, are we serious? That's who he's sounding off on? There's a couple different types of leaders out here. And there's one that wants to lead by example. I'm going to throw my guys under the bus. They're going to react because I'm the man. And they're going to fall in line. You know, uh, listen, a lot of guys have tried this. It works with a bunch of them. Michael Jordan famously you know, on the last dance shows how he was just berating teammates left and right. Kobe Bryant late in his years with the Lakers, um, just brutal on his teammates. But a rookie out of Nevada, a fourth-round pick, nobody thought Romeo Dubs was going to be the savior. What? Christian Watson, the second-round pick, just got off the pup list. Okay? He had off-season knee surgery. He's got to get up to speed. Why are you taking jabs at a fourth-round wide receiver out of Nevada? I mean, he's going to make the team, but he's not going to be a featured receiver. There was no plan for that. Like, is this Aaron Rodgers taking a veiled shot at the front office for losing Devontae Adams and really getting nothing? I, I, I don't know because it seems strange, but everything out of Aaron Rodgers' mouth seems strange. It's, it's just odd to me. Um, you know, you look at their postseason failures. You could blame it on the special teams. Um, I don't think you could blame it on marginal receivers. You could blame it on Aaron Rodgers not being aggressive enough. You could blame it on the coaching staff. I just it's very weird in the middle of August to be slamming a fourth-round rookie. Way to build this confidence. Now, Dubs could alternatively respond the other way. I'm going to step up. I'm going to be locked in. I'm going to crush it. But when you get put on blast like that and you're talked about on every TV show, all the news in Wisconsin, that's all anybody's talking about around the NFL, is Aaron Rodgers blasting a fourth-round wide receiver. I, I just, that's a tough one, man. Rodgers is talented, but that's not my style. All right, without further ado, let's get to it. My colleague at Fox Sports, announcer Tim Brando.
4: You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
5: I know what sports fans want.
4: But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does.
3: Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
5: All right, let's welcome in a special college football guest. You know him as one of the voices of college football for the last—I don't know—three, four decades. The guy's a legend, uh, and and you know uh, he is a legend. Come on, Tim, Tim Brando, you, you are a legend. Are you denying that you're a college football announcing legend? And you've done every other sport too.
6: I'll, I'll take it. You know the uh, when you get to my age, at some point you're going to hear iconic, uh, mm-hmm. or you're going to hear a legendary, or you're going and, and that's better than. Washed up has been Timmy B. <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: they, they love to so do that to that. us as well. You there know, you the go. media loves to build you up and tear you down, but yeah, Tim, you, know you what,
6: were out. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I want to mention this cause I know you spent time there too, but in a lot of ways, uh, if you last as long as I have, and I did my first high school football game with my father 51 years ago wow. in 1971, but I started working when I really needed to keep a job in 79. So I I cracked in at 82 doing LSU football and basketballs. That's 40 years ago. And then to ESPN at 85. But you have to, at some point, uh, have a lot of good fortune to last as long as as I've lasted. And in so many ways, uh, Fox has been just so good for me because when I left CBS abruptly uh, back in 2014, I think a lot of people, uh, including me, Uh, thought, oh, gosh, Um, I think I've earned enough check marks that I should uh, should land with a good parachute at a good place. I really think I should. And I was I was a free agent for about eight to nine months. And uh, when Fox called, I was so excited and their portfolio was growing, but it wasn't nearly what it is today. And they were visionary. I think they were thinking we're going to grow our college football portfolio. We need more people. We need to add some greater depth, maybe some people that have a little bit uh, of an understanding of the history of the game. And, you know, it's not always popular for a, a young television executives to hire a 58 year old guy that's worked mm-hmm. at three different networks, but, but Fox did. And I, um, I really owe them a lot because uh, it's been, now I'm starting my ninth year and not only did I work with Joel and, and Brady when they were getting started and they're in my first year there, but uh, when Joel moved up to work with Gus, Fox actually asked me, Hey, Tammy, is there anybody you'd like to have with you? And I, I said, yes, Spencer's contract is up over at CBS and they went out and hired him. And so this, this next uh, few weeks, we're getting ready to crank up our 24th year together out of the last 25. So that's a heck of a run, both studio, at CBS and games at CBS as well as, uh, games at Fox. So yeah. it's been, it's been a great run. I want to thank them publicly. I really yeah. do because none of us know how long this is going to last. Yeah. And, uh, and, and for me, I, I still feel like I got a lot of tread left on my tires yeah. and Fox has enabled me to keep the wheels rolling. So it's been a great run.
5: Yeah, I've I've been along for almost all of it, I feel, uh, listening to you call games, college hoops, uh, college football, NFL. Uh, But I do want to start. You were recently out here in L.A., and I know you played some golf. I am curious, just because it's like, you know, the Tiger Woods thing's going down right now and PGA versus Live. You know, I I don't know how much you've weighed on on it on other podcasts or TV shows, but where are you on this whole division? Because PGA is losing a lot of guys and they're leaning on Tiger hard to retain the guys they have. Yeah. W- w- what's your overall take on this?
6: Well, I, I think competition is something that all of us should embrace to some extent. And what I'm seeing here um, is is the establishment resisting competition, and and to me that's troubling a little. If if Live is so bad. Uh, then you shouldn't really be that concerned about them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you should be like, hey, you guys go do what you do. It looks like an exhibition. Um, You know, uh, yeah, you're getting some good players, but, you know, they're not going to get to play at the iconic courses. You're not going to get the points, the worldwide points, to be eligible to play in the major championships, which is what it's all about. Um, I get that the the core of the PGA Tour, many of them, uh, believe that what's going on here with Live Golf is 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 not good for the game because the greatest players aren't playing, and that's true. All of us as viewers want to see all the best players at the same venue whenever we can, and Live Golf is getting in the way of that. I get that, but on the flip side, if if you're if you're Cam Smith and they're offering you a hundred million guaranteed, yeah, they'll play. Well, Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, Uh, Generational wealth. I mean, who's turning that kind of money down? I think the whole negative part of this really stems from Phil and the the book and the next book that's going to come out Mm. that Armin Katayan is working on. And, you know, the the incredible better that did time, hard time, Walters, uh, Katayan's talked to him. It's going to be a very damning book for 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 Phil and Phil's comments that led to the first live event i think that's what brought all the negativity to this whole conversation huh. and now it's as if all the other players that are joining live are lining up with Phil okay and the the, the pga is the, a lot of the hardcore pgaers are turning to people like rory who you noticed was really adamant early and then walked back some of yeah. his comments before the open. Uh, and, and yeah, I think they're leaning on tiger. Some too. It's, it's really unfortunate. I, mm. I, I think that there's no reason for both not to exist. I mean, in some ways, Jason, people aren't thinking about this, but in some ways we've already noticed it in the FedEx playoffs. Okay. Players are now becoming eligible to play in the tour championship, you know, in the playoffs last week in Memphis only because the live golfers couldn't come and play. They mm-hmm. were able to take some of those spots. So I think it's actually giving younger players more opportunity. Totally. and uh, I, think the, I, I think the PGA tour players should look at that and say, Hey, uh, more golf and more money. What's wrong with that? Yeah. If they want to go do that, let them go do it. So what I'm saying to you is I'm still a PGA guy. But I'm not going to apologize for tuning into a live golf event on YouTube. Okay, yeah, I want to see golf shots. So I, I'm I, I'm right in the middle on this thing. I really am.
5: Kim, can I ask? Uh, do you know Phil Mickelson well at all? Because I didn't. I, I was unaware that this may have all stemmed from some issues he's had with the gambler, and maybe Phil needed money. And you know, Live was uh, decided. Hey, we could we could kind of get Phil, and he's got a lot of clout. Do you know uh, Mickelson well?
6: I know Mickelson. I don't know him well, okay, okay. I, but I know him and I knew him when he was young and uh, we've we've traded the conversation and dialogue on social media in the past and uh, full disclosure, I'm a fan of his of his play because I'm a lefty. I'm a lefty yeah. <laughs> So I've always uh, admired his play and his shot-making ability. There's an old saying in sports, whether it's baseball or golf, no one ever called a right-hander crafty. You know, the things (laughs) you do around the green, your ability to hit flop shots and and all that. Uh, I play Callaways. I got outfitted with mine, with Phil's guy, uh, you know, in Carlsbad. So, uh, yeah, I I think a lot of him as a player, I do think there are aspects of perhaps his life that none of us know about and, and only he could comment on. And I won't go down that road, but I will tell you I know about this book. And I know Armin Katayan very well, and That's I know, good. I know the kind of work he's doing, and uh, I think it's going to be a tell-all. It's it's going to be damning for Phil, and I, uh, I'm I'm sure he's bracing himself for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do think that uh, some of his press conferences when Live was getting underway were awkward and sad. He didn't look good. I mean, he didn't look good at all. He was far from the vibrant, effervescent. Phil Mickelson, we all came to know and love. So uh, whatever his issues are personally that affected his professional choices, I don't know what they are, hope he works them out. But but again, I don't think that, uh, you know, blaming him for taking Saudi money, there's this this whole, you know, double standard that we have in media about what we choose to think is dirty, okay, blood money versus what isn't, okay? Uh I don't hear nearly as much gnashing of teeth and grinding over um uh, you know China and the NBA as I do golf and live, okay, in the Saudis. I just I don't. It's to me there's a double standard there. And and I, I think that we have to look at it from that perspective and say, okay, let's just from a fan perspective, let's just enjoy more golf. Yeah. And um You know, where the money's coming from is not necessarily our business. I'm not an investigative reporter. I'm a fan of the game, and I play the game. Um, But I do think that you're going to hear a lot more about Phil and Walters when this book by Kataian is is published. I
5: I would say I'm excited, but it doesn't sound great for Phil Mickelson.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue, while you prep your meats.
1: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office, install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com/Colin to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com/Colin. TireRack.com—the way tire buying should be. This is it.
6: We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
5: Let's get to college football, Tim. Uh, We'll start in your neck of the woods. LSU just had a quarterback quit football. Brian Kelly, welcome to the SEC. Now, I know he has other guys uh, to transfer from, I think, Arizona State. Um, I am curious. It's it's weird. Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU seemed like a bombshell at the time. Tim, I don't even know if it's like a top five storyline for this season. There's so much craziness that's happened in the college football offseason. But right. I'm curious where you are on LSU, Brian Kelly. How? Are, what are you? What are you hearing down there in Baton Rouge?
6: Well, i am what, what I'm going to tell you is this. You know what you hear in Baton Rouge is what you always hear when you're a team of that magnitude. Doesn't figure into the national championship conversation. People are scared. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, are we gonna just like, are we just gonna go six and six? Seven? Oh God, <laughs> is it gonna, the, the people are like ready to jump off, you know, the the Mississippi Bridge down there if they don't win nine games. All right, in his first year, I think they can win nine games. Nine, but the over under in Vegas is six and a half. Yeah, <laughs> the over under is six and a half. I'm telling you right now, Jason. Whatever condos you have, just <laughs> put them, put them, put them on the line. He'll win. Really? He'll win eight, eight or nine games. I'm telling you, In LSU will win eight or nine games. I Schedule is good. Day. He's got a quarterback room, even without, you know, the the, the six year player that that unfortunately has just been banged up his yeah. entire career. But the kid from Arizona State can really play, and Nussmeyer, the backup the number two guy, he was three, he's number two now. Uh, he's already taken snaps as a starter, and they're going to be really good. Uh, Butte is back, at wide receiver. The running backs, you may not have heard of them, but they're really, really good. Uh, I think they're going to win at least eight games, so take the over on the six and a half. Okay. Listen to this about Brian, though, for just a second. Going through the history books, McClendon was fired in 1979, uh, and then all of a sudden you saw – Five, six different guys come in. Even Bill Orangebarger, the great defensive coordinator from the Miami Dolphins, was hired at one point to keep LSU on the right path. And then Mike Archer took over after him, and then you had even more guys come through and out of there within a five-year period until Saban was hired. Okay, Saban changed everything at LSU to the positive. We've seen national championships won at LSU, okay, with coaches named Les Miles mm-hmm. and Ed Orgeron in the last handful of years, okay, 2007, and then in 2019. We've seen three different coaches since 2003 win national titles, including mm-hmm. Sabin and those two guys. Neither Orgeron, and I love Ed, but he's not in the same uh, stratosphere with Brian in terms of his history and his resume as a head coach. And Les Miles, as much as I like quirky Les Miles, he's not in the same category with Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is the most; his his resume is by far and away the most accomplished of any hire LSU's ever had. Were it not for Lincoln Riley going to USC, all of us would be talking about Brian yeah. Kelly going to LSU. That's
5: a I great mean, point. I mean, right?
6: Lincoln just sucked all the joy out of the Brian Kelly hire nationally. <laughs> but I think Brian's a hell of a hire and he'll have the best personnel he's ever had. And that includes this year. Okay. Because Notre Dame couldn't get the kind of people into school that they wanted to compete mm-hmm. at the highest of levels. He got close without, you know, with those constraints put on him, he still got close. Now he, he's got an open opportunity and a lot of open wallets to get the program right where it needs to be. And I think within, five years, he wins a national championship.
5: Wow. Within five. Okay. Uh, bullish on Brian Kelly. Where are you on Lincoln Riley? Since you brought up USC expectations well, are high, but yeah. I mean, there's I, been I mean, so I mean, much turnover, Tim. It yeah. almost feels like it's impossible for them well, to win nine or 10 games.
6: I agree with you there. Uh, Brian, uh, going back to, to Kelly for just a second, uh, he gets a break because all the expectation of the SEC, not on Alabama, is on A&M. Jimbo Fisher is playing in a huge fishbowl this year. You know, they all that oil money and the collectives and the number one recruiting class and all that. And Texas A&M is coming off an eight and four season. I
5: know. Disappointing.
6: They they beat Alabama, but they couldn't beat a bad LSU team at the end of the year with Orgeron on his last last game. Couldn't beat them. So, you know, I think the expectations for A&M are out of whack. They don't know who their quarterback is, and their quarterback is likely gonna be the Johnson kid that uh you know transferred from LSU to AM.
5: Is that that's Brad prob- Johnson's kid? Yeah, that's yeah.
6: probably who their quarterback is gonna wind up being. But uh to USC, their offensive line is still a question mark, a huge question mark. Uh Caleb is a great quarterback, yes. Lincoln's a transformational play caller, yes. Uh the skilled guys that they have at running back, generally speaking, and as receivers are very, very good. But but USC's line play has been mediocre to horrible for quite a while now. And you don't just get well with one really good recruiting class. You don't. And they got to go to Utah this year. Mm. I, you know, I went in there to do three games last year, and I know it's a different SC. And I know Lincoln is there, but... Utah cannot wait to get the Trojans in their house, especially with Cam rising, returning as its quarterback. I would put a lot right now on Utah to win the Pac-12 and to have an outside chance, a very good chance, not just outside, very good chance of being the first college football playoff member since Washington out of the Pac-12 to get in. Yeah, I, I I think that team is ready to make a move. And they'll show you in that first game with Florida. I think they'll take care of Florida in the swap with ease.
5: With ease. Wow. I love the bullishness. Uh, I do want to uh, quickly pivot to uh, an early season matchup, Georgia and Oregon. I was texting with a buddy this week who lives in Vegas and says, Jason, I'm telling you, 17 and a half points is way too many. You've got to take Oregon. The money's going to come in on Oregon as we get closer to kickoff. This Georgia offense remains mediocre. The defense lost. Tim, how many guys were drafted from the defense? Like six? Seven. I mean, they lost a ton of That's guys. seven.
6: Yeah, seven. I, I, what do you think? I mean, <laughs> yeah.
5: Georgia, can they possibly come out and just smack Oregon around? Bo Nix, well, uh, uh, your uh, Auburn kid, is starting for Oregon?
6: Yeah. And by the way, what a story, too, because it was Bo that uh, – through that big pass his freshman year, late in the game to beat Oregon. That's in the right. The game played in Dallas. Great. Game. And of course, a legacy is dad Patrick not only was a quarterback at Auburn, but also a coach uh, at Auburn at one time. Uh, you know, this is this is this is one where if you just look at the number, you got to go with Oregon. If you look yeah. at that number in Vegas, you got to go with Oregon. Uh, but Georgia is so good. Uh, up and down their roster in terms of overall talent. Kirby has – Kirby Smart is just a – I mean, he's the one guy that has uh, pretty consistently been right with Saban from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, I think Georgia wins the game, but I Mm -hmm. think it's certainly closer than 17 and a hook, without a doubt. Uh, Oregon – Oregon's also playing, I think, for a lot of pride for the Pac-12. With SC and UCLA doing what they've done – I think you're going to see Oregon, especially, uh, maybe to some extent, Utah, too, play with a real chip on their shoulders this year. Because they're the two best teams after, you know, they're the two best teams not named USC, you know, in the Pac-12.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
5: I do want to ask, after Alabama and Ohio State, you know, they seem like the very clear two best teams in the country. If, If I told you, Tim... Who's going to meet in the college football championship? But you cannot take Alabama or Ohio State. Right. What two teams do you think you'd have in the mix? Well, sounds like Utah might be one.
6: (laughs) Yeah, Utah's one, and uh, Baylor is the other. I love Baylor. Whoa. You know, Baylor. Baylor returns a lot of the talent that Dave Aranda had a year ago. If you go back to last year, um, you know they lost one of their 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 starter, uh, actually transferred, but the kid replacing him is a better player. Blake Shapen uh, is a kid from my hometown. Played at Calvary High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, he took over as the starter uh, late in the season after uh, TCU upset Baylor uh, in the first week of November. Spencer and I actually had that game, um, and it was a shocking game. It was right after Gary Patterson had been fired, and Jerry Kill came in as an interim coach. Uh, to to handle the team and they played with great emotion. Got a big interception late in the game. Went on to win the the football game. Uh, but Gary Bohannon was the starting quarterback. He decided to transfer, and now Blake Shapin is going to take over. Is he's, he's a legit. baseball kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a legit right, talent. Boy, okay. He's also the uh, nephew of Hal Sutton, the great PGA oh. tour winner. Won in Riviera back in '83, in the PGA Championship was a Ryder Cup captain uh, back in the early 2000s for us uh, in the United States. Hal's an old friend of mine. We grew up together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know a lot about this kid. He's a great player and a really good leader, good team guy. And Aranda's defense is loaded. Uh, he's one of the best defensive play callers that we have. I would say Dave Aranda is an understated uh, uh, version of on defense of what Lincoln Riley is on offense. If Lincoln Riley is the greatest, most transformational play caller on offense, I love Dave Aranda as a transformational defensive play caller. Uh, he, he doesn't have the charisma of Lincoln uh, and he's not as verbal uh, as Lincoln, but he's a great coach. Baylor's schedule has them early at BYU. Keep an eye on that game. BYU's loaded. They I think they return their entire defense, 19 out of 22 guys. And you know, Jason, those guys are always old. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, Kalina Sotaki's team is all, I mean, those guys are 20, freshmen are 25, okay? So <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that'll be a big, big test edge. for Baylor early. I think they'll survive that. And I think they have the potential to beat Oklahoma and Norman. I really believe that. Um, and Oklahoma State will be right behind them. I think Oklahoma State and Baylor, are both better than Oklahoma. Uh, and we'll see how that thing plays out. But the teams that are not Ohio State and Alabama that could crack the party are in order, in my opinion Baylor, NC State, Whoa. and BYU. <laughs> good. I if love I'm that. wrong about Baylor, it's because BYU's got to run the tape. They're really good. Uh, North Carolina State, uh, coached by Dave Dorn. Most people don't even remember that Doran coached at Northern Illinois. Most people couldn't name one player. North Carolina State has. They got oh, two of the best cover corners in the country. Uh, I have them at number seven. I think they're in the top ten in the uh, in the AP, or they're very close, certainly in the top 12, top 13. But what happens all the time in these polls preseason is it's all about the brand names and recruiting numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. You, to me, you got to look at the schedules. You have to dissect the schedules. Where are there landmines in the middle of rivalry games that can screw up a season. I don't know that everybody looks at that. And uh, that's why I have those teams right where they are. So uh, Baylor, Utah, and NC State are the three Hmm. top ones. And I give an outside shot to BYU to shock the world.
5: We can wrap up with the Heisman, but real quick, it, it just dawned upon me, Baylor in college basketball is building something of a juggernaut. They've been yep. in the final four two years in a row. Right. Baylor football now rising. What do you think is this like a cyclical thing where just a random team in a popular state? Um, Texas, obviously, great football, and, and right. uh, I'm sure they got great basketball. but How the hell well, is this happening while the Longhorns are struggling?
6: Well, it doesn't hurt that the Longhorns have been just abysmal for a long period of time, okay? And how they could be in uh, the coaches' poll, I think they're like 17th or 18th or something. Listen, I'm not sure Sarkeesian will be there when Arch Manning gets there. Ooh. I mean, if he has I like six that and take. six, if he, if he goes seven and five or six and six, you know, do you think those those fans down there are going to be okay with that? I what mean, he's got the U.S. kid. <laughs> He's got the Ewers kid from Ohio State coming back to Texas to play. You know, everybody's thinking about, you know, Quentin Ewers. He's he's the guy. Well, Sark could dial up a lot of great plays, and he's got B. John Robinson, who might be the best athlete not playing quarterback in college football. I mean, he's a Reggie Bush clone, but his offensive line's not very good. His defense hasn't been very good. They're coming off of, I mean – how many more times are we going to say is Texas back? <laughs> I mean, they're not that good. And, yeah. and I think that that's, that's enabled teams like, uh, uh, Baylor like at one point TCU and Gary Patterson had it going, by the way, Gary is there to try to help Texas now on their defensive side.
5: Yeah. Great. You know, hire. He
6: was brought in to help. It was a great hire. So, I mean, I think Sark knows this is a critical year for him. Nice. Uh, but I think teams like Baylor, whether it's basketball or football, Jason, uh, you've seen emergence of teams like Houston. I, you know, I didn't mention them. Dana Halderson might win every game this year. Houston's really good. They play Texas Tech in week two. Uh, Spencer and I are going to have that game. Uh, they gave Cincinnati, as you know, all they wanted a couple of times last year. They return a lot of that talent. Uh, but they don't have a team on their schedule like Notre Dame at Notre Dame. You know, Houston's biggest game would probably be that game at Texas Tech non-conference, which gets you no juice. Yeah, but teams like Houston, Baylor, TCU, even SMU. You know, Dykes had it going at SMU for a period there. He did. All those teams have flourished because Texas hasn't has been so screwed up, and and I and I don't think it's been just because of the coaching hires. I think a lot of it has been cultural for them. Mm. Uh, You know, when they ran Charlie Strong out, it was because he he was too much of a player's coach when they ran uh, Tom Herman out. It was because he was a jerk. Well, now (laughs) they brought in Sark because he's what a player's coach. So, you know, where are we here? Uh, About every three or four years, uh, these big donors in Texas, you know, don't like the way a coach responds to them. And they run him out on a rail. So no one has time. Uh, in Austin to get any traction. And I think that's really been the problem, uh, you know, at UT for a long period of time. It's one of the reasons why I think they're fine with staying in the Big 12 until they absolutely have to go to the SEC. You're not going to see Oklahoma or Texas doling out exit money from their grant of rights to go into the SEC because they know they're not ready.
5: No, definitely not. All right, we could wrap up with the Heisman. Every year, Tim, the favorites seem to fall flat on their face. And I'm not saying that mean, but it just happens. You know, Spencer Rattler, the kid DJ from Clemson. Um, and somebody comes out of nowhere to win it. Who you got this year? We had Phil Steele last week pumping up Dylan Gabriel. Uh I mean that's a 30 to one long shot. Seems like impossible, but history, recent history says somebody's coming out of nowhere to win it.
6: No, know. Anybody. I like Phil. So he's 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 smart. That's a good call, actually. Oh, okay. I wish I had I wish I had uh, picked that one out of the hat. Uh, <laughs> Stroud is the odds-on favorite this year, right. obviously. And if you look at the personnel he's got around him, uh, you know, he could lose it on the basis of who he's throwing it to. Mm. Smith and Jigba is, you know, Olave this year. He's actually a better athlete. Uh, got he's faster uh, than Olave and Smith and Jigba is a, a great talent comes from East Texas and, and made his way up to Columbus, which by the way, that's another one of the reasons why this USC thing and UCLA thing uh, coming into the big 10, you know, Alabama's not going to be able to go into California and get a price young now. Okay. And you know, that USC people are loving that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's part of what's going on here. But Stroud is, you know, he he's a guy that if he just plays his game and lets his personnel, all the pieces he has around him, do their thing, he'll be fine. It's when he tries to do too much, he can get in trouble. He's not a runner. He needs to stay in the pocket and distribute the ball. But uh, Smith and Jigba is a guy that I think could be so good as a receiver that he could be like a, you know – a Devontae Adams type of guy that you could just go to anytime you want wow. and make big plays. So I'm going to go outside the box a little and say Smith and Jigba wins the Heisman. Oh, geez. Stealing than, all the votes, huh? Rather than, rather than uh, Stroud, who everybody thinks is going to win. Uh, Heisman.
5: Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last receiver. Was it, was it Tim? Brown? Oh, it was Alabama.
6: Alabama. Oh,
5: that's right. I've gee, goodness. Grace Waddle yeah. a couple years yeah, ago.
6: Absolutely. And, and you can make a case, Mechie, You know, not, last year was really, really good. He got hurt. He was good, um, but 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 somebody like a, you know, everyone's looking for this year's Burrow. You know, ever since Joey Burrow, oh, yeah, you know, transferred to LSU, everybody's looking for that kind of guy. And Gabriel, I got to give Phil Steele some credit. That was a good call.
5: Okay. All right. Well, I'm headed to Vegas shortly. I will be uh, putting some shekels on uh, your guy and Gabriel. (laughs) Let me give you another one on
6: shekels, okay? Kansas is over under. He's one and a half. No. Is
5: it really? I mean, Lance
6: Lance Leipold is a hell of a coach. A hell of a coach. They beat Texas 57 to 56 last year at Texas, right? Look at their schedule. They should, right one, now. they should have one. They should have at least one game the first week. You got to put put the house, put stray land, whatever liquid income you've got, put it on <laughs> KU to get two or more.
5: So Texas they open with Texas Tech. Uh, oh, geez, this schedule is tough. Where are the other Oh Kansas? my
6: gosh. Are we talking well, Kansas?
5: Kansas. Yeah, so Kansas opens with T- Tennessee Tech.
6: Tennessee then, Tech. Then
5: That's they the got West Virginia
6: That's
5: a loss, Uh, uh, Houston. That's a loss.
6: That's a loss. Duke. That's a W. That's Ah! you're done. Dude, you're you're you're
5: done. But before September's (laughs) finished. Uh, But if they needed another one, though, Iowa State. They're not beating TCU, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas, K State. How's K State? Do you Uh, know?
6: No, no? K State's really good. They, They will sneak a win in there. Whether it's Tech, they will upset somebody that's supposed to beat
5: them. And they got Duke at home, so Tennessee Tech and I'm just tech telling Duke. you,
6: Lance Leifold is too good of a head coach to not wow. get two W's in year two. Okay, wow. and I know Kansas is Kansas, but I'm just telling you, that one and the LSU, six and a half, take the over, and you'll win big.
5: All right, Tim Brando, the great announcer of Fox Sports. You'll hear him call games. He obviously is big on gambling, golf. He does it all. Tim, thanks a lot for the time, man.
0: You got it. Take care, Jason. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico,
3: Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.